PlushCare.com. Healthcare that makes you smile. Virtual primary care and mental health treatment when you need it. Get personalized high-quality health care by taking, talking to top U.S. medical doctors all from the ease of your smartphone. Care for you and the ones you love most. High quality. Care's high quali- highly skilled online doctors are trained at the top 50 U.S. medical schools with an average of 15 years of experience. Their online doctors give you and your entire family the peace of mind you should expect from your health care provider. Convenient. Just book an appointment, chat via video on your smartphone, and pick up your prescription from your pharmacy. Their advanced technology is integrated with most major insurers, labs, and pharmacies affordable. Affordable. Talking to an online doctor has never been easier and more affordable for just your copay or $99 per visit. You can get quality care from one of PlushCare's highly skilled online doctors. They are in network with most major insurers in the U.S. and provide care in all 50 states. Over 450,000 patients cared for. Careof.com You know your body. Careof knows science. Let's work together. Find the right vitamins, protein, and now collagen to personalize just for you. Healthy doesn't have to be hard. Careof makes it easy. Take the quiz. Tell Careof a little bit about yourself. They're good listeners. Get nutrients that work. Get your personalized recommendation backed by science and delivered to you. Stick with it long term. Keep the conversation going. Careful just as your health needs change. A routine tailored to you. Careful will help you create a health plan with vitamins, supplements, and more that help you feel your best today and support you long term. Careful is with you. Once you have your tailored plan, Careful will help you stick with it, track your supplements, learn about how they work, and get new recommendations as your health changes all in Careful's handy app. Say hello to your new healthy habit. Honest guidance. Careful will promise to be honest with you. That means Careful will show you the research and be transparent about how established it is. Careful doesn't pretend all supplements have equal levels of scientific evidence or traditional history because that isn't the truth. But Careful will always show their work and tailor their guidance to you as an individual. Better ingredients. Care's research and development team has traveled the globe so they can provide the most effective, bioavailable, and sustainable ingredients possible. They're transparent about their supply chain because they they build products they want to take and then they deliver them straight to your door. Good morning. Hope you had a good week. Hope you have a happy Valentine's Day. Now here is U.S. President Number 33, Harry S. Truman, Part 3. Berlin Airlift. On June 24, 1948, the Soviet Union blocked the access to the three western-held sectors of Berlin. The Allies had not negotiated a deal to guarantee supply of the sector. Deep within the Soviet-occupied zone, the commander of the U.S. occupation zone in Germany, General Lucius D. Clay, proposed sending a large armored column across the Soviet zone to West Berlin with instructions to defend itself if it were stopped or attacked. Truman believed this would entail an unacceptable risk of war. 
He proved Ernest Babin's plan to supply the blockade blockaded city by air. On June 25th, the Allies initiated the Berlin Airlift, a campaign to deliver food, coal, and other supplies using military aircraft on a massive scale. Nothing like it had ever been attempted before, and no single nation had the capability either logistically or materially to accomplish it. The airlift work ground access was gained, again granted on May 11, 1949. Nevertheless, the airlift continued for several months after that. The Berlin airlift was one of Truman's great foreign policy successes and significantly aided his election campaign in 1948. Recognition of Israel Truman had long taken an interest in, in the history of the Middle East and was sympathetic to Jews who sought to reestablish their ancient homeland in, in mandatory Palestine. As a senator, he announced support for Zionism. In 1943, he called for a homeland for those Jews who survived the Nazi regime. However, State Department officials were elected to offend the Arabs who were opposed to the establishment of a Jewish state in the large region long populated and dominated culturally by Arabs. Secretary of Defense James Forrestal warned Truman of the importance of Saudi Arabian oil in another war. Truman replied he would decide his policy on the basis of justice, not oil. U.S. diplomats with experience in, into the region were opposed, but Truman told them he had a few Arabs among his constituents. Palestine was secondary to the goal of protecting the northern tier of Greece, Turkey, and Iran from communism as proposed by the Truman Doctrine. Weary of both the convoluted politics of the Middle East and pressured by Jewish leaders, Truman was undecided on his policy and skeptical about how the Jewish underdogs would handle power. He later cited as decisive in his recognition of the Jewish state the advice of his former business partner, Eddie Jacobson, a non-religious Jew whom Truman absolutely trusted. Truman decided to recognize Israel over the objections of Secretary of State George Marshall, who feared it would hurt relations with the populous Arab states. Marshall believed the paramount threat to the United States was the Soviet Union and feared Arab oil would be lost to the United States in the event of war. He warned Truman the United States was playing with fire with nothing to put it out. Truman recognized the state of Israel on May 14, 1948, 11 minutes after it declared itself a nation. Of his decision to recognize the Israeli state, Truman wrote in his memoirs, Hitler had been murdering Jews right and left. I saw and I dream about it even to this day. The Jews needed some place where they could go. It is my attitude that the American government couldn't stand idly by while the victims of Hitler's madness are not allowed to build new lives. 1948 election. The 1948 presidential election is remembered for Truman's stunning come-from-behind victory. In the spring of 1948, Truman's public approval rating stood at 36% and the president was nearly universally regarded as incapable of winning the general election. The New Deal operatives within the party, including FDR's son James Roosevelt, tried to swing the Democratic nomination to General Dwight D. Eisenhower, a highly popular figure whose political views and party affiliation were totally unknown. Eisenhower emphatically refused to accept and Truman outflanked opponents to his own nomination. At the 1948 Democratic National Convention, Truman attempted to unify the party with a vague civil rights plank in the party platform. His intention was to assuage the internal conflicts between the Northern and the Southern wings of his party. Events overtook his efforts. A sharp address given by Mayor Hubert Humphrey of 
Minneapolis, as well as the local political interests of a number of urban bosses. Convinced the convention to adopt the strongest civil rights plank, which Truman approved wholeheartedly. All of Alabama's delegates and a portion of Mississippi's walked out of the convention in protest. Unfazed, Truman delivered an aggressive Southern speech attacking the 80th Congress, which Truman called the Do-Nothing Congress, and promising to win the election and make these Republicans like it. Republicans approve of the American farmer, but they are willing to help him go broke. They stand four square for the American home, but not for housing. They are strong for labor, but they are stronger for restricting labor's rights. They favor minimum wage, the smaller of minimum wage, the better. They endorse educational opportunity for all, but they don't spend money for teachers or for schools. They think modern medical care and hospitals are fine for people who can afford them. They think American standard living is a fine thing, so long as it doesn't spread to all the people. And they admire the government of the United States so much that they would like to buy it. Harry S. Truman, October 13, 1948, St. Paul, Minnesota, radio broadcast. Within two weeks of 1948, convention, Truman issued Executive Order 9981, racially integrating the U.S. Armed Services and Executive Order 9982, integrate federal agencies. Truman took a considerable political risk in backing civil rights, and many seasoned Democrats were concerned the loss of Dixiecrat support might destroy the Democratic Party. South Carolina Governor Strom Thurmond, a segregationist, declared his candidacy for the presidency on the Dixiecrat ticket, and led a, a full-scale revolt of Southern state rights proponents. This rebellion on the right was matched by one on the left, left led by Wallace on the Progressive Party ticket. Immediately after its first power FDR convention, the Democratic Party seemed to be disintegrating. Victory in November seemed unlikely as the party was not simply split but divided three ways. Boris running mate Truman accepted Kentucky Senator Alvin V. Elvin W. Barkley, though he really wanted Justice William O. Douglas to turn down the nomination. Political survi- Truman's political advisors described the political scene as one unholy, confusing cac- cacophony. They told Truman to speak directly to the people in a personal way. Campaign manager William J. Bray said Truman took his advice and spoke personally and passionately, sometimes even setting aside his notes to talk to Americans of everything that is in my heart and soul. The campaign was a 21,928-mile, 35,290-kilometer presidential odyssey. In a personal appeal to the nation, Truman crisscrossed the United States by train. His whistle-stop speeches from the rear platform of the observation car, Ferdinand Magellan, came to represent his campaign. His combative appearances captured the popular imagination and drew huge crowds. Took stops in Michigan drew a combined half million people. A full million turned out for a New York City ticker tape parade. 1948 Electoral Vote Results The large, mostly spontaneous gatherings at Truman's Whistle Stop events were an important sign of a change in momentum in the campaign, but this shift went virtually unnoticed by the National Press Corps. It continued reporting Republican Thomas Dewey, Dewey's apparent independent victory, impending victory as a certainty. One reason for the press's inaccurate projection was that polls were conducted primarily by telephone, but many people, including much of Truman's populist base, did not yet own a telephone. This skewed the data to indicate a stronger support base for Dewey than existed, and uh, an unattended and 
undetected projection error may have contributed to the perception of Truman's bleak chances. The three major polling organizations stopped polling well before the November 2nd election date, Roper in September and Crossley and Gallup in October, thus failing to measure the period when Truman appears to have surged past Tui. In the end, Truman held his progressive Midwestern base, won most of the southern states, despite the civil rights plank, and squeaked through the narrow with narrow victories in a few critical states, notably Ohio, California, and Illinois. The final tally showed the president has secured 303 electoral votes, Dewey 189, and Thurman only 39. Henry Wallace got none, and the defining image of the campaign came on after Election Day when an ecstatic Truman held aloft the erroneous front page of the Chicago Tribune with a huge headline proclaiming, Dewey defeats Truman. Full elected term, 1949-1953. Truman's second inauguration was the first ever televised nationally. His second term was grueling as opponents controlled Congress and his policy of rollback in Korea failed. The Soviet Union's atomic bomb project progressed much faster than, than had been expected and they detonated their first bomb on August 29, 1949. In response, on January 7, 1953, Truman announced the detonation of the first U.S. hydrogen bomb, which was the most pow- much, which was much, much more powerful than Soviet Union's atomic weapons. Korean War. On June 25, 1950, the Korean War, the Korean Army under Kim Il Sung invaded South Korea, starting the Korean, starting the Korean War. In the early weeks of the war, the, the North Koreans easily pushed back their Southern counterparts, Truman called for a naval blockade of Korea, only to learn that due to budget cutbacks, the U.S. Navy could not enforce such a measure. Truman promptly urged the United States, urged the United Nations to intervene, or it did authorize the troops under the U.N. flag led by U.S. General Douglas MacArthur. Truman decided he did not need formal authorization from Congress, believing that most legislators supported his position. This would come back to haunt him later when the stalemated conflict was dubbed Mr. Truman's War by legislators. However, on July 3, 1950, Truman did give Senate Majority Leader Scott W. Lucas a draft resolution titled Joint Resolution Expressing Approval of the Action Taken in Korea. Lucas stated Congress supported the use of force. The formal resolution would pass, but was unnecessary. The consequence, the consensus in Congress was to acquiesce Truman responded he did not want to appear to be trying to get around Congress and use extra constitutional powers and added that it was up to Congress whether such a resolution should be introduced. By August 1950, U.S. troops pouring into South Korea under U.N. auspices were able to stabilize the situation. Responding to criticism over readiness, Truman fired his Secretary of Defense, Louis A. Johnson, placing him with the retired General Marshall, with UN approval, Truman decided on a rollback policy conquest of North Korea. UN forces, led by General Douglas MacArthur, led the counterattack, scoring a stunning surprise victory with an amphibious landing at the Battle of Inch on that nearly trapped the invaders. UN forces marched north toward the Yalu River boundary with China with the goal of reuniting Korea under U.N. auspices. However, China surprised the U.N. forces with a large-scale invasion. In November, the U.N. forces were forced back to below the 38th parallel, then recovered. 
By early 1951, the war became a fierce stemmer at about the 38th parallel where it had begun. Truman rejected MacArthur's request to attack Chinese supply bases north of the Yalu, but MacArthur promoted his plan to Republican House Leader Joseph Martin, who leaked it to the press. Truman was gravely concerned further escalation to, of the war might lead to open conflict with the Soviet Union, which is already supplying weapons and providing warplanes. With Korean markets and so, Soviet aircrew, therefore on March, April 11, 1951, Truman fired MacArthur from his commands. I fired him, MacArthur, because he wouldn't respect the authority of the president. I didn't fire him because he was a dumb son of a bitch, although he was, but that's not against the law for generals. If it was, half of three-quarters of them would be in jail. Truman to biographer Merle Miller, 1972, posthumously quoted in Time Magazine, 1973. The dismissal of Douglas MacArthur was among the least politically popular decisions of presidential history. Truman's approval rates plummeted, and he faced calls for his impeachment from, among others, sons of Robert A. Taft. Fierce criticism from virtually all quarters accused Truman of refusing to shoulder the blame for a war gone sour and blaming his generals instead. Others, including Eleanor Roosevelt, supported and applauded Truman's decision. MacArthur, meanwhile, returned to the United States to a hero's welcome and addressed a joint session of Congress, a speech the president called a bunch of damn bullshit. Truman and his generals considered the use of nuclear weapons against the Chinese army, but ultimately chose not to escalate the war to a nuclear level. The war remained a frustrating stalemate for two years, with over 30,000 Americans killed until an armistice ended the fighting in 1953. In February 1952, Truman's approval mark stood at 22% according to Gallup polls, which is the all-time lowest approval mark for an active president, though it was matched by Richard Nixon in 1974. Worldwide Defense The escalation of the Cold War was highlighted by Truman's approval rating. However, true approval of the NSC-68, a secret stalemate of foreign policy, it called for tripling the defense budget, the global and the Globalization and militarization of stalemate policy, whereby the United States and its NATO allies would respond militarily to actual Soviet expansion. The document was drafted by Paul Nitz, who consulted state and defense, who consulted state and state and defense officials, and was formally approved by President Truman as act, official national strategy after the war began in Korea. It called for partial mobilization of the U.S. economy to build armaments faster than the Soviets. The plan called for strengthening Europe, weakening the Soviet Union, and building up the United States both militarily and economically. Truman was a strong supporter of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, NATO, which established a formal peacetime military alliance with Canada and democratic European nations not under Soviet control following World War II. The treaty establishing was widely popular and easily passed the Senate in 1949, Truman appointed General Eisenhower as commander. NATO's goals were to contain Soviet expansion in Europe and to send a clear message to communist leaders that the world's democracies were willing and able to build new security structures in support of democratic ideals. The United States, Britain, France, Italy, the Netherlands, Belgium, Luxembourg, Norway, Denmark, Por Portugal, Iceland, and Canada were the original treaty signatories. The <coughs> alliance resulted... <coughs> And so established a similar alliance called the Warsaw Pact. General Marshall was Truman's principal advisor on foreign policy matters, influencing such decisions as the U.S. choice against offering direct military aid to Chiang Kai 
Czech and its nationalist Chinese forces in the Chinese Civil War against their communist opponents. Marshall's opinion was contrary to the counsel of almost all Truman's other advisors. Marshall sought propping up China Chang's forces would drain U.S. resources necessary for Europe to deter the Soviets when the communists took control of the mainland, establishing the People's Republic of China, and driving the nationalists to Taiwan. Truman would have been willing to maintain <coughs> <coughs> Truman would have been willing to maintain some relationship between the United States and the new government, but Mao was unwilling. Truman announced on January 5, 1950 <coughs> that the United States would not engage in any dispute involving the Taiwan Strait and that he would not intervene in the event of, the, of an attack by the PRC. On June 27, 1950, after the outbreak of fighting in Korea, Truman ordered the U.S. Navy's 7th Fleet into the Taiwan Strait to have further To prevent further conflict between the communist, communist government on the China mainland and the Republic of China (ROC) of on Taiwan, Truman usually worked well with his top staff. The exceptions were Israel in 1948 and Spain 1945 to 1950. Truman was a very strong opponent of Francisco Franco, the right-wing dictator of Spain. Spain. He withdrew the American ambassador, but Diplomatic relations were not formally broken, kept Spain out of the UN, and rejected any Marshall Plan financial aid to Spain. However, as the Cold War, Cold War escalated, support for Spain was strong in Congress, the Pentagon, the business community, and other influential elements, especially Catholics and cotton growers. Liberal opposition to Spain had faded after the Wallace element broke with the Democratic Party in 94. In 1948, the CIO became passive on the issue as Secretary of State aches on increased his pressure on Truman. The president stood alone in his administration as his top, as his own top appointees wanted to normalize relations with when China entered the Korean War and pushed American forces back. The argument for allies became irresistible, admitting to the. Admitting he was overruled and worn down, Truman relented and sent an ambassador and made loans available. Soviet Espionage and McCarthyism In August 1948, Whitaker Chambers, a former spy for the Soviets and a senior editor at Time Magazine, testified before the House UN House Un-American Activities Committee, HUAC, he said an underground communist network had worked inside the U.S. government during the 1930s, of which Chambers had been a member along with Alger Hiss until recently a senior State Department official. Chambers did not allege any spying during the Truman presidency, although his, Hiss denied the allegations he was convicted in January 1950 for perjury for denials under oath. The Soviet Union's success in exploding an atomic weapon in 1949 and the fall of the nationalist Chinese the same year and to demand that communists be rooted out from the government and other places of influence. However, Truman got himself into a deeper trouble when he when he called the his trial a red herring. Wisconsin Senator McCarthy accused the State Department of harboring 
Communists and rode the controversy to political fame leading to the Second Red Scare, also known as McCarthyism. Charges that Soviet agents had infiltrated the government were believed by 78% of the people in 1946 and became a major campaign issue for Eisenhower in 1952. Truman was reluctant to take a more radical stance because he feared full disclosure of the extent of communist infiltration would be would reflect badly on the Democratic Party. In 1949, Truman described American communist leaders whom his administration was prosecuting as traitors, but in 1950, he vetoed the McCarran Internal Security Act. It was passed over his veto. Truman would later state in private uh, conversations with friends that his creation of a lousy program had been a terrible mistake. Blair House and assassination attempt. In 1948, Truman ordered an addition to the exterior to the White House, a second floor balcony in the South Portico, which came to be known as the Truman Balcony. The addition was unpopular. Some said it spoiled the appearance of the South facade, but it gave the fam first family more living space. The Truman family moved into nearby Blair House during the renovations. As a newer West Wing, including the Oval House, remained open. Truman walked to and from his Work across the street each morning and afternoon. On November 1, 1950, Puerto Rican nationalist Grisela Torresola and Oscar Colazal attempted to assassinate Truman at Blair House on the street outside the residence. Torresola mortally wounded a White House policeman, Leslie Colfield, before he died. The officer shot and killed Torresola. Colazal was wounded and stopped before he entered the house. He was found guilty of murder and sentenced to death in 1952. Truman commuted a sentence to life in prison to try to settle the question of Puerto Rico and independence. Truman allowed a plebiscite in Puerto Rico in 1952 to determine the status of relationship to the United States. Nearly 82% of the people voted in favor of a new constitution for the Estado Libre Asociado, a continued associated free state. Steel and coal strikes. In response to the labor management impasse arising from bitter disagreements over wage and price controls, Truman instructed his Secretary of Commerce, Charles W. Sire, to take control of a number of the nation's steel mills in April 1952. Truman cited his authority as Commander-in-Chief and the need to maintain an unanswered supply of steel for munitions for the war in Korea. The Supreme Court found Truman's actions unconstitutional, however, and reversed the order in a major separation of powers decision. Youngstown Sheet and Tube Company v. Sawyer, 1952. The 6-3 decision, which held that Truman's assertion of authority was too vague and was not rooted in any legislative action by Congress, was delivered by a court composed entirely of justice appointed by either Truman or Roosevelt. The high court's reversal of Truman's order was one of the notable defeats of his presidency. Stay tuned for part four of U.S. President number 33, Harry S. Truman.